Hello, and welcome to BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast, coming to you from Vero Beach, Florida, and Marion, Massachusetts, hosted by Ed Shanafee, USPTA professional and international businessman. This is the podcast that researches and looks at the club management and facility side of our business. Hello, and welcome to the BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast. I'm Ed Shanafee. I'm your host. And it's another week of news and views from our industry. I'm really excited this week to introduce you all to Christian Zawatsky. She's a female pro, director of junior tennis up at the wonderful and very heralded Kingsbury Club. She's at the Kingston branch of the the club. It has two branches uh, up there near Duxbury, Mass. And we're asking Christian a bunch of questions about how it is to be a female instructor in our industry how it is to be on the court and in the clubhouse because women instructors have very different outlooks as to both those situations. Before we start with Christian, I'd like to remind you that we are at www.beyondthebaselines.com and throughout the COVID-19 crisis, we're updating our website daily with updates from the industry. We're also, if you want to become a supporter of us, at patreon.com at patreon.com backslash beyondthebaselines. Right now, I'd like to turn it over to Christian Zawatsky. All right, so uh, joining me today, we've got Christian Zawatsky on the line with us, and Christian has uh, been well-known in the New England Duxbury area uh, as a female pro, teaching pro for years and years, and we're going to start asking her how she got into the business and when she first started playing. So uh, welcome, Christian. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so exciting to be a part of. Thank you for joining us. And um, so when did you start playing tennis and uh, why was it tennis? Why, why not another sport? Why tennis? And when, when did that start? Uh, I was a late starter to the game. I, pro- I mean, I've been playing for a long time, but really playing, like really competitive started to play probably around 12. Okay. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, um, I wasn't pushed toward it. My dad, we had a tennis court growing up. My parents had one. And I mean, I always played recreationally and then actually one summer we went to England and my dad got us tickets to see Wimbledon and I was just like this is awesome this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life and I want to be like this I actually saw Anna Kornikova play her last doubles match with Chanda Rubin wow I was like it was sick it was so cool that's fantastic I "I want to be like them (laughs) yeah yeah and and so you started it did you grow up in the New England area yeah I've always lived in Medfield Okay, so born and raised. So yeah, so born and raised, and so so basically, it was a uh, summer sport for you starting out, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. And then did you did you play indoors too? Yeah, I mean, once I committed to it, it was like every day. That's what I did. USTA, the whole thing. It was just constant. Yeah, but it was yeah, fell in love. Great. So age twelve, and you were obviously a competitive junior in. in New England and, and playing indoors year round, playing the USDA tournaments, no progressions back then. Um, no, yeah, so different. It is so different. Start with the yellow ball right away. But let me ask you, when you were playing as a junior, when did it actually hit you or did it not hit you or strike you that you wanted to become a teacher at some point or did you just fall into that? 
Oh my gosh, it's actually really funny. Like, I remember being at my academy, like when I was a junior, probably like with 16, and I was like, I never want to be like these, like, like a coach ever. Like, I never want to do this. I remember telling people because they'd be like, Do you ever want to coach? And I'd be like, No, not ever, no, never, ever, ever. Right. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I actually was at, because I went to University of Rhode Island, and my coach, we were doing like a women in sports day. And all these girls came in and all the different sports were doing like kind of mini lessons. And I'll never forget it. I was on like this makeshift court teaching these young ones tennis. And I was like, I actually really enjoy this. And everyone was like, wow, you're actually pretty good. Like they're listening to you. And I was like, I know, this is so weird. And that summer I got a job um, actually at Kingsbury Medfield. And then from then on, it just became like my passion. I adore it. I would never do anything else. <laughs> so so your first job was at Kingsbury, where you are now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've stayed with them. Yeah. It's a great wow. organization. Mm-hmm. Wow. So let's talk about going back to that first time we started teaching. And he said, and I'll quote you, they were actually listening to me, which is, you know, what know. every <laughs> pro worries about, especially when they're teaching juniors, you know, the kids just run around, run amok. But you obviously were engaging. What do you think is is the number one criteria for a teaching pro, for an instructor? What, what do you think is your, is your most needed asset, so to speak? Oh, you got to have the passion and the patience. You have to. <laughs> you cannot be a teaching pro if you don't have either of those. Or you can, but it's, I think it establishes a really great pro compared to just a, you know, someone that's going to go out for however many hours they want and just do their business and then leave once they leave the court. You know, right. a really good coach will stay with those kids and catch up with the parents after and follow up with the kid later to see if they actually did their homework as far as like, you know, if it was shadowing or something. But I really think that's the key. Yeah, I think passion is really important. You know, I always I always say to myself, you have to be passionate. And in a way, you're you're kind of a, a show person. You know, everyone's looking oh, up to you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you have to have that personality as well. I totally agree with that. You cannot. Yeah, you have to be outgoing. And when you started teaching that first day or that first week, that, that, that initial time, did you realize how important the continental grip was for feeding? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm not even kidding. I think it took me, I remember when I was just co- like started coaching in Medfield and right. they were like, everything has spin to it. And I was like, it does. <laughs> like, are you sure? And they'd be like, everything you're hitting spins up. Like, look at this all tops and you got to change your grip over. It took so long to change it, it and to actually perfect it. <laughs> It's the hardest thing I I think I have ever taught when I'm mentoring a a junior instructor to try to feature the continental grip so that they feed without any spin because that's the best feed, obviously. Um, Oh, that's so funny. I never even thought of that. That's so true. You brought back such memories. (laughs) Think about those first days, right? You know, trying to figure out how to stand next to the basket. All those those nervous little bits of things that we have to worry about. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) So, So did you go to college and play tennis? Yeah, I went to University of Rhode Island on a college scholarship and played all four years. I captained the team my senior year, and I really missed playing college tennis. (laughs) Did you ever think about coaching college tennis? Did you ever think of that avenue, that route? Yeah, actually, especially lately, because, you know, Erin Reeves? Yeah. Yeah, she just got teaching. um, She's the Tufts assistant coach, and I really, she's a great person, and I love her to death. She's super nice. She's part of that whole like there's definitely some of the women in the tennis community that are friends and she's one of them and 
she loves what she does there and from hearing everything that she's doing with those girls and how the passion she has for that it's definitely something i might consider it sounds amazing yeah more and more as i as i get into the industry i'm meeting more tennis coaches uh college coaches and it's a whole other side of our business it's not mm -hmm. you know it's not a teaching instructor. You're, you're coaching more of a team. You're a team coach. Yeah. You're organizing a lot and you're there like not there like their friend, but you're with these girls all the time compared right. to like, you know, we have our students once a week or twice a week, but you're with these girls every day and they look up to you and they're looking for you for a lot of things. So take me through today you're working at Kingsbury in the winter or through is that throughout the years that you're round? Yeah, so I was at Medfield for a long time and then I moved down to Kingston and transferred to Kingsbury and I've been with them full yeah, year round. And I just started coaching as an orange theory coach too because I've really found a passion into the whole fitness aspect of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, developing the athlete before you develop the player. And I've done a lot of fitness uh, research for the kids that way. And that kind of got me into a different uh, part-time kind of job with yeah, orange theory too. Fantastic. Now, since you brought that up, let me ask you a question because this is a, you know, an issue that we've all dealt with. Do you think it's better for a, a junior, a young junior to play two sports, be multi-sport uh, faceted or just one sport? Definitely multi-sport. Definitely mm -hmm. multi-sport. The only thing is it's tough though, because to be able to say that and then, you know, like I have one, I, just this girl came into mind that she's a big soccer player and she's a phenomenal tennis athlete. Like she is so good and she played basketball too when she was younger, but now it's the battle between the soccer and tennis. So like even, but I mean, I'd rather see that in her be this like, she's so easy to coach. She could do anything she wants in tennis, but I think right. it really helped her doing those sports. It's just hard later in life when you're like, oh, I know you played that sport and you're good at it too, but <laughs> you could be a tennis like D1 athlete. You know? Well, but yeah, it's super important. I have a daughter who's 11. She loves tennis, um, played soccer growing up, you know, growing up, she's still growing up, but played soccer starting mm -hmm. at age six. Another pro development per type person said to me, that's the best thing that uh, any sport, sports person can do. I said, why? Well, Ed, when do you trap the soccer ball behind you? Mm -hmm. And I just thought of that. Yeah. It's so true. And, yeah, and totally. yet you always have a junior hitting the ball, you know, with massive topspin behind them. <laughs> and uh, it's so true. Your eye-hand coordination is, is geared to being in front if you play soccer. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I mean, aside from that, you think of every sport and even like throwing and, just the balance of different types of sports. I mean, every, and it's funny. I feel like a lot of, I'm sure you see it too, but you can almost identify from a tennis player what sport they played before if they did play a sport because it comes out in tennis a lot. I, I mean, that's just personally what I see. Like, I'm like, why do you hit your backhand? They're like, oh, I'm a hockey player. I'm like, oh yeah, yep. that's what that looks like. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I see it with lacrosse players. I can see how they kind of, you know, move the racket head in like a little wiggly fashion, like they're cradling the racket head. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> But usually it helps them in some aspects of tennis as far as balance and coordination and all those things. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about our industry and, and women. And, and, and you probably saw on our site, we went through uh, some of the stats where 23% of um, women are, are instructors. So 77% are men. And I'm wondering, do you, do you find it different as a woman to be an instructor? Do, like if someone comes in and asks you for a private lesson and they don't know they're getting a woman, 
does it change their do they receive you in the same way do they do you, do you think women teachers are different what's been your experience as a, as a female one of you know 23 out of 100 you're one of them so what's, what's the overall experience I don't know. You know, it's, it's so even thinking of what you just said, like it's, it's definitely a different experience, I think for females. And I think when I was first coaching, maybe I let a lot of that bother me a lot, but like, especially now, and I think it also has to do with the culture of the club that you're at. Cause I don't think I ever have a lesson now that comes in that, you know, looks at me different compared to the boys. Like it's, it's all the kind of the same, like I would never get treated differently now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, certainly like even coming to the, like I said, I was at Kingsbury Medfield and then I came to Kingston, like showing up for the first time. I remember very well, all the, like all the members and especially the male members being like, Oh, the female pros here. Like, okay, like, let me see how we can do against you. And you kind of had to prove yourself a little bit, you know, you, you hit that first ACE down the team. You're like, yeah, I really do want to go there. And then they kind of right. stop talking about it, but it definitely is a little bit of proving yourself. And I've seen other, we had, um, since I was working at Kingsbury, there's definitely been three other women pros that have come in and out real fast, mm-hmm. you know, and I, it's definitely, you got to have a little bit of thick skin and you definitely need to be able to, anyone that says anything to you about it, you need to back up your teaching and your playing, I think, a lot more than male pros, depending on what type of tennis you go into. Because that's the other thing with, I think, females personally, and especially when I was first getting into it, it was like, oh, female pro, 10 and unders, 10 and unders red ball. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? I'm not, but how did I just get into that? Like, I'm a good player. I want to teach high performance. And you kind of already have that sense with a lot of, pros that you're going to be a 10 and under coach and which is not a bad thing i mean there's nothing wrong with that i love my 10 and unders they are personally i love them to death but if you want to be like you know universal and have all the different types of playing being able to teach adults being able to teach you know especially women that i feel like that's a really tough one too you need to be able to back up what you're doing a lot and it definitely doesn't hurt if you're a really good player yeah i i I completely agree with you i i taught as a guest pro, many clubs over the, over like, you know, the Christmas weeks and spring breaks. And they'll inevitably there'll be a guest pro who's a female and the director's always watching to see how good a player she is and mm-hmm. sends up, well, not spies, but sends up people to watch and make sure. And one year I had recommended one and I knew she could play, outplay anybody in the club. But the first lesson, director's up there checking up on her and making sure she can actually hit, a, hit that serve down the, down the tee and make an ace, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't think it, you're right. Male pros don't have to do that. They, they no, definitely not. That is a difference. You know, in some respects though, being a female kind of helps you get a few extra lessons because you always have that weekend warrior guy who wants to come in and challenge the female pro, you know, you know, the guys I mean. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. And it's always great to see the female pro, you know, win, but I think it also, it's a good market for you as a female pro if you can play because the, the, the you know men like to be challenged in that way and I think the weekend warriors especially in, in enjoy that and and I think you could actually you know in, enlarge your audience in a way and you probably have oh yeah for sure oh well I have plenty of morning groups six thirty to eight that are all guys <laughs> and, that's, and it's mm-hmm. all kind of that intensity and they and it, but it's a fun group but I it's definitely a different, I mean, there's also another pro that does the same group, 6.30 to 8, and we have very different, even though they're all guys, it's very different personalities. They're very right. divided. Yep. So you definitely attract a different type of clientele, for sure. 
I'll, I'll remember next time I, uh, well, I, I have, my head pro this year is, um, is a female and she's uh, going to really, you know, I mean, she'll help out in the 10 unders, but her main job is, is adults. Um, but next time I hire someone else, I'll, I won't, you know, cast them at the tw- as the 10 and under pro. <laughs> but, I mean, um, it's tricky because, I mean, maybe is. that is what they want to do. I, it's just, I feel like that's the number one thing that you're looked at at first. It's, it's, it's a strange, I don't know, it's a strange little concept. It's weird. It's hard. Yeah, it's it, definitely it, hard you know, to establish it, yourself. <laughs> It, 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 I guess it's, you know, it's society's uh, power that that's kind of what happens. And uh, I don't think it's done purposely. Just, you know, you have, as you say, you have to be a great player and fight harder to get to the position you'd like to be at, which is, you know, unfair, to be honest. Yeah, so, tricky. Yeah, it is tricky. Uh, let, let's, let me ask you another question that is, is part of this is because what I do hear in, on a positive side for female pros is that a lot of women, I, I, I like to have female pros on my staff always have. I think it, it adds a fantastic dynamic to the team, uh, not just on the court, but even off the court in terms of uh, how I think female pros probably get member services better than male pros. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I find that is extremely, extremely important when I'm at a, at a club where there's an elite membership, membership that requires a lot of care and attention. Some pros, some memberships do, some memberships don't, but I find that having a female pro at those particular clubs really does help. How, how do you view that? Do you see that side of the business as well? And, and, and how, how do you see the, the female pro fitting in on that side of the membership services side? You know, I honestly can say, and I can say this about myself, and then maybe it's just where I work, but I mean, so it's me and I work with three, four other male pros. Mm-hmm. And my, but our boss, the director of tennis is a woman. And she's kind of more the person that's dealing with the customer service stuff outside of it. I mean, yeah, there's a couple of things that maybe I'll deal with because I'm the director of junior tennis. Right. So I'll deal with a lot of the parents and maybe calming them down a little, or if there's like some issue with a kid and a parent, like I, I do a pretty good job, I think of dealing with that, but I'd say the only person that really deals with the customer service aspect side is Donna, our boss. Mm-hmm. And she's like the best as far. And maybe it's because she's a female. I don't know, but she's, so diplomatic with everything and she keeps a level head and I know even when I get worked up or like some of the boys will get worked up about something or you know we're annoyed with one of the customers that's a little bit more needy she's the type that'll be like well let's think about it from their perspective let's think about what's going on with them let's think about what's happening like she's so good about that but again like I don't know if that's maybe I I don't know she's definitely she's so level-headed <laughs> I, I don't know if maybe it would be if she was a guy she'd be more jumping to a lot more conclusions I don't know I've never had a female director of tennis I've never worked for one but um the best male director of tennis I ever worked at uh, with was Paul Patil he's out at Edgartown he too is very level-headed very calm very organized but I do think that uh and here, here's a question for you to follow up with that have you ever had a male director of tennis have you worked for one Oh yeah. Okay. And obviously <laughs> you had issues with male directors of tennis. So uh, let me ask you in terms of teaching on the court and, and, and questions they ask of you, is it, is it more pleasant to have a female director of tennis and, and why? Yes. A hundred percent. And again, it could just be who she is. So that's not really fair for me to say, like if at least I had a couple like female directors, then I could say that, but she, uh, I just feel like she's very fair. She doesn't play favorites. Everything is very, like I said, diplomatic and fair. 
but she also is extremely understanding. And I think it, it's not just like good for me. It's good for like, so one of my pro, uh, two of my pros have families. Mm-hmm. And there's been plenty of times where they were like, listen, I can't come in. Like my daughter's sick or I have to pick up my kid from school or I have to stay home with them because their wives work too. And she, you know, she is the first one to be like, absolutely. Like we'll cover you. Like I'll go on the court. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Like you take care of it. Whereas with the different director that I've had that was a male, it was like, I don't care. You need to come in or you're figuring this out. Like, what do you mean? No, like get in here and you're doing this. This isn't, there's no excuse for that sort of mentality. So again, maybe it's just who I have as a pro. I don't know if it's, you know, gender specific, Mm -hmm. but I do think she's just very, very understanding. And she's also the type too that, I mean, and again, this is just like small things, but if it's someone's birthday, she has the card that we're all filling out for that person. If we know someone is going through a tough time, she's the one that's organizing, like, you know, let's get them, you know, food to their house. And I I don't necessarily know that our male director would have done that at all. Actually, I know he wouldn't have. So it's like just the small details and the care. I think she just sees it from a different perspective. ask you a question so you have three i guess three male pros you work with and yourself does your director donna does she mentor all of you and does she mentor you equally because that's that's really a good sign of a director um i think i wouldn't say that she's it's it's a kind of a weird um setup where i am uh you know jeff barrup no i don't oh okay so donna's husband is jeff and uh, jeff was uh he helped create new england Uh, tennis academy he's a phenomenal coach he's unbelievable and I feel like although she might not be specifically mentoring us herself she brings in people for us to be mentored with and like has provided more than enough resources for us to be continually growing like continually learning the industry like she will I mean she she does mentor us in the maybe in the customer service standpoint like we were talking about before and mm-hmm. you know when this happens you need to be a little bit more sensitive to this person in that sense but as far as like continued education on the court or just education alone on the court or that she's definitely provided so many resources for all of us to use constantly and I'd say equally too great yeah, that's a, you know, and so she's looking out for her staff in, in other ways um, and allowing you to. For work. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so how many kids do you have in your program? Because you're obviously running a program there as director of junior uh, tennis. How many kids do you have? Uh, about 200. I mean, 200. that's across red, orange, and green, and yellow all together, yeah. And how many courts do you, do you guys have there? Uh, five courts. Wow, that's, so that's quite a little bit of a, a puzzle to, to deal with, having that many kids across five courts. Yes, it is. I mean, it's a lot of kids in some of the clinics, for sure. Yep. But and and uh, when you, yeah. and, and let's just take you day by day. As a, as a female instructor, a female j- director of junior tennis, when you have the, say, there's 60 kids for an hour that come in across five courts, I don't know, maybe it's fewer than that, but do you allocate the courts? Do you allocate the pros? Uh, is that your job? Is that your responsibility? Yeah. So that's, and that's another thing that I'm really lucky to have with my staff is, um, so like I said, Jeff comes in, Donna's husband comes in, he's been helping us a lot with um, the high performance kids. Mm-hmm. But if he's not there, like my staff looks to me for the lesson plans, for the court assignments, what they're doing, where they're going. And the boys have, I'm really lucky again, like I keep saying that cause I know my staff, 
and I've worked with other guys before, my staff doesn't really have any egos. Mm -hmm. They're really good about just being like, Kristen, what do you want us to do? Like, Kristen, what are we doing here? You know, and I feel like with other people I've worked with, it's very, okay, I'm listening to you, but I'm going to go do this other thing anyway. Like, I have no respect for you. And I never have gotten that from a female pro. That's definitely a male pro thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I was good. That's what so, I was going to ask you is, is, is uh, obviously you, 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 you are a good figurehead and you're a good director because, because your male pros that, that um, report to you have no issues and, and they have no issues at all. Right. None. No, they're really good. They're, we're a really good staff. And if they did have an issue with anything, like we're pretty good about talking about it on the side and being pretty understanding with each other. Right. Like if they have a question about a drill or they think the drill could be better, like we'll talk about it and, come to a conclusion or maybe there's a specific reason why the drill is the way that it is, but they've never been blatantly or like in front of the, I mean, I've had this happen before in other places where, you know, I've said like, this is the drill we should do. And in front of the kids and other male pros, like, no, we're not doing that. We're doing this. And even though like my position was higher, like the kids, I feel like listened to him more just because he was that outspoken. Like it was, it was not a good situation, but I never deal with that with my pros that I have now. Well, that's true. That's yeah. That's really a bit of subordination there. So we shouldn't go on in any workplace at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Do you think that there is a difference uh, perceived um, by women when you teach women? So here's what I, I'm not going to give you an example. I just want to hear, do you think women perceive you differently when they take a lesson from you compared to how they perceive a guy teaching a lesson or a doubles clinic? Yes, but I think that it it depends on who it is. I think there's way more difference in how women see me than how men see me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think that there's definitely, there's some women I get that I love to death and they respect me. And they've even said, like, I feel more comfortable being around you because I feel like I can make mistakes around you than, like, the boys, even though, like, they wouldn't care, but just right. from the way they see it. And I've also had women that are like, you know, I'd never take a lesson with you because you're female and you're like, what are you talking about? Like, how could you even say that? Like, we're both females. Like, how, why would you? So you had that, that you had a woman say that to you, say she wouldn't, she would, doesn't value you as a teacher because you're a female. Um, not to me, to my face, <laughs> but <Right. laughs> like, I've definitely heard her say it to other, to like other the other people. pros. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it hasn't happened in a long, 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 long time. Again, it was more like when I first got there, but again, that's the whole establishing yourself sort of thing. Right. Right. And now that like I have, I don't think I'd ever deal with that. But I definitely also know there are women that will specifically go to the boys just because they'd like attention from a male instead of a female. So it's a different, there's all different types of battles you deal with, but that's what I mean. I think there's more battles you deal with, with women compared to men. I feel like men, if they know that you're better than them, that's all they need to know for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) My example was one of my better players at my club is, um, I always have a female pro and they love having a female pro, especially if that pro can play really well. They respect, oh, yeah. they respect that pro. And, and what they really do say to me and they come back to me is they say, Ed, uh, we love your teaching ability, but we under, we, we think that a female pro understands the obstacles and ladies doubles better than you would as a guy. And maybe true, maybe true. I don't know. I, I can't answer that question, but maybe the perception is, is that's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I totally could understand why that would be the case. See, I'm I'm not a fan. This is the other part of my job that I feel like I've dealt with a little bit more maybe as a female is I took myself off of a lot of the women's clinics that were doubles clinics, like our team clinics, Mm -hmm. because I just couldn't deal with the drama. 
I could, and it wasn't even drama I was involved in at all. It was just the drama between the ladies. Cause I, and again, maybe cause I'm a female pro they'd mm-hmm. come to me and be like, this person is this way, this person's this way, this person's this way. And you'd be like, are we even playing tennis anymore? Are we even, but again, I mean, it's, maybe it's a good thing for them cause they have somebody they want to talk to or they feel comfortable talking to and sharing what's going on on the court with. But at the same time, it was like, I just can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> I just wanted you guys to play really good doubles. And that's what I'm here for. Please just listen to my drill. <laughs> well, ladies teams are always rife with politics. And that's, uh, it's interesting to hear your, your side of that story, because I always think it's, it's, you know, it's just me. But no, I'm, I'm glad that you as a female get that side of the story too. It is a very, uh, dicey position you, you you as a pro ever take when you're running a ladies team it's probably one of the diciest uh, positions you can accept and i can see why you would take yourself off the practices um yeah it's yeah. too much <laughs> do you think in, in 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 your experience do you think men and women instructors do they approach teaching differently do they teach a lesson differently do they listen differently or do they teach and speak differently do you think Um, I think that really depends on where you're going, you know, like, I think that all pros have their own personality. So I think that that's always going to be different no matter who you're dealing with. But then I think it kind of depends on the club that you're at. Like I know all of me and my pros use the same lingo. And I know that we have all the same teaching progressions because that's how we were taught to teach there, like at my club. And whether that was like me being like, this is the way that we need to teach, you know, 10 and unders, this is the way we're going to teach our high performance. Or if it was another coach saying the same thing, like we all teach pretty similar. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as far as that, I don't know if I can really speak to that. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't have an answer either. I, I, I just asked the questions. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, so in the future, what do you think's in the future in the cards for you? Obviously you mentioned maybe college coaching, have you thought about anything else? And where, where are you thinking? Obviously, you took Orange Theory on this year, put together your fitness side of your life with your tennis side of your life. What's the future hold for you? It's hard. I really like where I am. Uh, okay. I don't know, especially with everything going on now and, you know, the whole pandemic, it's hard to predict. But, I mean, I know I, I specifically like juniors. I love juniors. I like high-performance juniors. I like 10 and under juniors. I like the whole thing. Right. So I'm kind of figuring that out. I've done a lot of national coaching. I've done a lot. Like I just came back from spring nationals in March. Mm-hmm. I like working with that level of player. Uh, that's like our goal right now is we're at Kingsbury. We're trying to get more of a high performance pathway going, which is right. happening. Like it's definitely from where it used to be is huge. So I, I think that trying to combine a little bit more, it's kind of like what we were talking about before, you know, where does, how much is fitness involved right now with juniors to be, make them become a better high performance player or become a quicker high performance player than the kids that, you know, have never played a sport came in at eight years old and, you know, tennis is all they know. So I think it's kind of maybe trying to figure out that part of it and how to build mm-hmm. a program based off of athleticism mm-hmm. and, you know, fitness skills. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity and I feel, I do think too that there's a lot more women that are jumping in, in that high performance arena too. And like trying to do kind of similar things. I, I, I think there's a huge opportunity in new England. I really do. I mean, you know, you think go back five, six years ago. I mean, I, if, if you ask me, I think there was only the Mac, you know, Manchester athletic club was the, was really the only 
academy kind of I, that I could think of off the top of my head from six, seven years ago. And, but now there's, they're popping up and maybe, you know, you're, you're, you're set to do, take your tennis and instruction anywhere. Really. You could, you could run an academy yourself if you wanted to, but uh, I think in new England, it's a, a fantastic opportunity um, because new England's probably a little bit behind, Flo- you know, obviously very behind Florida, Texas, all the warm weather States. Oh yeah. Well, but, I mean, yeah. Um, but they're catching up. I think they're catching up fast. Yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree. What, what I don't do you know. find? We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. What do you find? What do you enjoy about your job? Uh, and I'm asking this because I, I don't normally ask pros that are on the show, but because you're a female instructor and, and one of the best in New England, what do you enjoy most about your job? Um, that's a great question. So, you know, what it is, like this is a perfect example of what I enjoy the most. So, like today, for example, I got an email. This is like the cutest thing in the whole wide world. I got a letter in the mail from one of my students because like I haven't seen a lot of my students because of the whole thing going on now. And it was from my seven year old player who plays with me. She plays with me twice a week and she's a Athena. Like she's great. She's going to be so good. And it, it was this handmade card that was like, dear Kristen, I miss you. And I miss tennis so much. Like I can't wait to get back out on the court. And that's why I teach tennis is that right there. That's it's for fantastic. like the kids that, Oh, it was awesome. I have it hung hanging up. I was like crying, <laughs> but it's Aww. that, that's what I love about it is it being able to see these kids love it and want to be there, you know, seeing like a kid, I have another student that I've had since he was eight and now he's actually like really becoming like a high performance player and he loves it. And like to see him out there and enjoying it is like the, I don't think there's anything better. Like, I, I just want to give, like, every resource I possibly have to these kids to be like, here, like, you love it. Like, what can I do to help you more? Like, that's, and that's why I do what I do. I just, right. I adore, like, I mean, again, I like, adults are the same. If you get a, an adult that's that passionate and, you know, loves it that much and just keeps coming back and trying hard and, you know, they respect you and they, they want to be there with you, there's mm-hmm. nothing better. You know how it is. You you know you have the same. I'm sure you have the oh, same yeah. passion. It's just I have the same. I, I, I love it when I love it when I'm sweeping the courts at six o'clock because somebody didn't show up to sweep in the morning, and one of the juniors oh. runs down to hit on the backboard and just says, "Hey, Coach Ed, how are you today? I'm down here before my clinic because I just want to get better. I love that. You know, it's, oh, it, you just can't beat it, and you just want to give it. them everything. Yeah, no, can't beat it. And I have to follow that up with what's the least favorite thing about your job or that you found in, while working in our industry? No, I can totally tell you it's the parents, <laughs> period. I mean, yep. if, for me specifically, because again, I'm dealing with juniors mostly. Mm-hmm. The parents that either, you know, ruin it for their kid or, you know, need to constantly voice their opinion and you, you need to be, you know, you feel like, you know, why are you doubting what I'm doing? Haven't you seen how much they're improving? Why are you questioning what I, what I teach? Like it's that parent that just really ruins it. But I think it's, it's the worst seeing a parent ruin it for the kid. And you just, you sit there and, you know, you try to support the kid the best you can. And then, you know, they eventually end up quitting just, and you know, it was the parent, you know, it was the pressure they put on them or, you know, seeing them, you know, yell at the kid after and you're like, they played well today. They missed a couple. Maybe they lost their like last match they played in practice, but they did great. Like, how can you break them down like that? And I think that's the hardest thing in any now, sport. Yep. Now, it, it, it is the hardest in any sport. Now you take the kids obviously to nationals. Um, you just said you came back. Um, 
and, and, and well, they're not my kids. I mean, I did the spring national team, so it's more okay. like the coaches get picked and then you go and you coach like the same as zonals. They're not necessarily okay. all my kids, right? but it's, you're still dealing with the same parents. Yeah. Same parents. And they're not even my parents and I'm still dealing with them. <laughs> and, and let me ask you, do, in the summer, do you do like a summer tour of USTA tournaments in New England? Do you take some of your high performance juniors and go with them to the tournaments? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and parents obviously they're with you and that, that's a tough, that's tough. Now you think it's any, do you think, I mean, being a female, you think that maybe the parents might be a little nicer to you, but you don't see that at all. Um, you know what? I, I have to say, though, like it's really the few and far between. Most of my parents are very, very supportive and very good, and they do listen to me. It's really only the token few that you're like, oh, you just so ruined that. Yeah. <laughs> so luckily, like the ones I travel with are like my kids that my parents trust me to travel with by myself. They are they're very supportive right. and they're very connected, too. And that makes it great as well. You know, I tell them all of my kids and sometimes it's a blessing. Sometimes it's a curse. My parents, too. My phone's on all the time. You need me. I'll, I'll respond unless I'm sleeping. Right. And they know that. And some take advantage of it. Some take totally too much advantage of it. But, right. you know, for the most part, I, I have very, very supportive parents who trust what we're doing. And that's great. And I think that's tough, though, too, as a female pro, you know, you really got to build that up. I think for a guy, especially with an established background, it, it's much easier to trust your kid, you know, going to high performance clinics and stuff and like that with them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it plays a difference, me being a woman or not, or, but tough. There's no scientific answer, but, you know, you never know. Uh, two more questions for you. One is I, I always ask this, and, and this is part of you know, this whole idea of why more women aren't teaching tennis, but think about when you were 12 starting up and think about where tennis has taken you. If you hadn't played tennis, think about where you wouldn't have gone. And now that you do and you're teaching it where you have been, what's probably the funnest or most rare, different or rarest place you've ever been because of tennis and any, any memory associated with that. But think about where tennis mm -hmm. has taken you and what you got out of it. Where, where was it? Oh, I don't even know. There's like so that's such a that's a big question to ask because there's just so many things I've gotten to be a part of, like as a player and as a coach, like as a player being able to go, you know, we went to Arizona for spring break and we'd stay in this like beautiful house. That was one of our teammates, like family friends on uh, in I think it was called Diamond Head out of Scottsdale. And it was just like this gorgeous, gorgeous place. And I remember thinking like, I can't believe I'm here right now. Like, <laughs> this is unreal. And it's the same with coaching though. Like I've gotten to do zonals in Kalamazoo in Michigan. I've gotten to go to, I was in Oklahoma city last year and it's just places that you're like, I'm here doing what I love. I'm able to be in this place right now that I'd never, why would I ever go to Oklahoma city any other time but, or like Kalamazoo, Michigan, any other time, but to coach tennis. And it's really cool places that you discover all these really neat little places that you're like, I can't believe I'm here. Like I would never come here otherwise. Right. Or I'd never experience like 115 degrees temperatures on courts otherwise. So it's oh, just like the overall experience, you know, all that. Yeah. And my final question uh, is, is really aimed at the series again. If you, could, if you could talk to any female and say, hey, you should really teach tennis, what would you tell them and why? I think it kind of, and I, again, it depends because I think this plays a big part in my coaching. 
it was what kind of coach would I have wanted when I was a kid? Like when you were a junior, if they were a junior player, let's just say that they're a junior player. Cause I feel like most women jumping into tennis usually have played in their background, even if it wasn't like USTA, but it's like, what kind of coach would you have wanted? And that plays like a big part. A lot of my students, and maybe not so much recently, it's kind of changed over a bit, but our girls and they're like eight, seven and eight year old girls. And I know that I'm making a difference. Like my parents and, my parents have told me that too. Like my girl is a lot more confident, you know, in school because she has her tennis and to be their kind of role model Mm -hmm. is so priceless. And just to be considered to have that opportunity to be someone's role model in a sport that you already love is so rewarding in itself. And just being the coach that you've always wanted to have yourself Mm -hmm is a very cool thing. I know it's, it turns people off a lot. I know people that played with me that were like, I would, I cannot coach. I would never want to coach, but I kind of feel like if you don't give it a shot, you just, you can't experience like having a kid give you a card that says like, I miss tennis and I, I love tennis or, you know, having the little girl come on the court who's decided that she loves tennis and she's wearing her whole Aviva outfit because she saw you wearing your Lululemon outfit and you're like, Oh my God, you're like a mini me. Like, <laughs> But I have the chance to be that role model, and I would never have that if I didn't try coaching, you know. And that goes for any coach. I mean, any female coach, you're going to have those little kids that look up to you. And it's just, it's a chance to have that. You know, there's not many professions you can go into that you can be like, yeah, I'm changing these little kids' lives. Maybe not all of them, but definitely a couple of them are going to be like, I, she was wicked cool. I loved having her. She was really, she was a cool person that I want to be. So, I mean, that's like the number one thing that if any female coach is thinking about getting into it, and again, it doesn't have to be juniors or younger kids either. I know there are also women that are like, you know, I really want to play like the way that you do, or like, can you just show me how to like move this way on the court or something like that? I mean, you become a very big role model, no matter what as a coach, a female coach specifically. And I think that's part of the rewarding part of it. And even if it's you know, just something someone wants to consider. That's that's the number one thing I'd consider. <laughs> that's a fan, that's a fantastic answer. I I don't think I I could find anyone to answer it better than you just did. Um, no, thanks. So thank you for formulating that. And in our conversation today, it's been really enlightening for me, especially for me. And I, I'm hoping it's enlightening for the listeners too. So, Kristen, good good luck. Good, stay healthy out there with the COVID nineteen crisis going on. When uh, I'm up next in Duxbury, I'll uh, give you a ring and uh, take you out for, for sure. a coffee and say thank you so much for doing this. Oh, it's nothing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast. I'm your host, Ed Shanafee, and it's a pleasure bringing you every week news and views and great guests from our tennis and fitness industry. You can always reach me at beyondthebaselines at gmail.com or by phone at the office on 508-538-1288. Please do visit our website, beyondthebaselines.com. And on our site, there's a link to our Patreon page, which has even more information for you and your club and your facility in our wonderful industry. Thanks for listening. See you again soon.